Elevate your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. Today's episode is coming up next. So today I'm super excited to have Bytes founder and CEO, Lindsay McCormick, joining us today. So just to tell you a little bit about the company that she founded, which was featured on Shark Tank. And we're going to talk today also about how you can get your idea um, on Shark Tank. But Bite, which stands for Because It's the Earth, their products are all natural, zero waste, tube-free, 100% vegan, gluten-free, and cruelty-free. And so the company started as an oral care brand, and it's now expanded into general care, and they make non-toxic personal care products ranging from toothpaste to deodorant and mouthwash and toothbrushes and whitening gel. And so I can't wait to hear more about this company, to hear more about Lindsay's story, and she's here to share it with you. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you. So can you tell us how you got started with your company? What is the origin story? (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, I've always been really passionate about the environment. I was a surf instructor and a snowboard instructor, so I was outside every day. And I actually got into TV after that because I wanted to make nature documentaries. And I was working as a TV producer and I was traveling all around the world and the U.S. And I was throwing out those little travel toothpaste tubes because whenever we would travel to shoots, you know, it would be carry on only and it would be a short amount of time. And so I wasn't didn't have time to check a bag with my full toothpaste tube. But I was throwing out these little guys and I was like, this feels so wasteful. And so I started looking into alternatives, uh, what I could bring on my trips and everything was either packaged in plastic. And through that, I started learning about all of the harsh chemicals, artificial flavors, dyes, uh, sweeteners that are in most commercial toothpaste. And I was like, wait, I was like, this does not align with, you know, the way I'm trying to live my life. I was living a low waste uh, lifestyle. I'm a longtime vegan. I found out most commercial toothpaste is tested on animals. And I was like, I just, I want to make my own. And I, um, I started taking online chemistry courses. I talked to dentists, dental hygienists, and I decided that what I wanted to do was make a dry uh, powder formula that I'd press into a tablet. And so I actually, uh, I flew to Texas. I learned how to use a tableting machine and I was pressing these things in my living room and putting them in a glass jar uh, and they have compostable refill pouches. And I was selling them on Etsy and I had a small Shopify store. So that's how it all started. I figured, you know, I would want this. And then kind of as I got more and more like obsessed with it and then started, you know, investing more and more money with it. I was like, you know what, I'll just put up a little, you know, online shop. Eventually, maybe I'll make my money back. And that's kind of the way the way it all started. Wow. So (laughs) did you think you would be a CEO when you grew up? Like, what did you what, what did you study in high school? And beyond that, what were your dreams before this? 
I definitely never saw CEO as a part of my career path. I you know, I wanted to work in in media. So I was, you know, kind of building, you know, when I first graduated college, I was a surf and snowboard instructor. I just wanted to be outside. I wanted to be in nature. Uh, and then from that, you know, kind of seeing more and more plastic washing up on my board out when I was surfing in Malibu and then just learning about climate change and how it will impact, you know, the winter seasons and snowboarding. I was just like, wow, like I really want to be part of the solution to this. So I started working in TV and, you know, TV is incredibly competitive and I wanted to build my toolkit essentially uh, so I could start producing my own nature documentaries and, and work on, you know, climate change documentaries. I remember, I mean, even back in uh, high school and college, I would be watching like the BBC Earth, you know, series and I would watch the behind the scenes where there was a cinematographer who was like camping out for a week in like bat guano in some, you know, cave in the, you know, somewhere in the world. And I was like, oh, like, how can I be that person? I want to be that person. And so, you know, it was kind of building up the toolkit for that. And it was when I was working as a TV producer that, um, you know, I came up with the idea for Byte. I started working on Byte on my nights and weekends. And then I went directly from that to being a CEO of a company. I mean, honestly, I was really, I didn't even like the term CEO at first. Like it felt very uh, fake to me. You know, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm a CEO. I'm just starting this company and I just, you know, want to solve this problem. And it actually took quite some time to start feeling very comfortable of calling myself that because I didn't, you know, it wasn't part of something that I really thought would ever be uh, what I was doing. But I'm, I'm really thankful to be in the position now. And it's it's a constant learning curve and it's a constant challenge. And I, I love it. <laughs> so why do you keep doing the work that you do today? I mean, I know you mentioned that you love it and it feels like it's it's your passion and it, it is it, it is and could be your life's work. But I'm sure you've also had like a lot of challenging days. And so what keeps you moving? For me, it's it's coming up with the solutions to these problems, right? So, you know, Byte started from looking at a toothpaste tube and saying, you know, I don't want to be contributing to the over a billion toothpaste tubes that end up in our landfills. And I want to make something better for myself, like, you know, in terms of ingredients and in terms of sustainability that I can then share with other people. And, you know, as Byte continues to grow, you know, we've now expanded into personal care. And our first, our first product in personal care was deodorant, um, which was actually really personal to me because I had been using the, you know, low waste, zero waste deodorants that are on the market. There, there's a ton of options um, and a lot of them are really great, but I had issues with all of them. Like I was using the one that comes in a glass jar. It's like a paste and you had to put it under your armpit. And I was like, man, I just don't really want to put my armpit under my, or my hand under my armpit every morning. And then I started using, you know, the really popular ones that come in a cardboard tube. But for me, after I would use it about halfway through, the top would be soggy and I wouldn't be able to get it back on the deodorant. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I can't even get my lid on anymore. It's not travel friendly. And so that's like literally why I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing I did with toothpaste. I'm going to go back to the drawing board on deodorant, be like, you know, now we have the resources. We have the money. I have an amazing team. If we were going to make the perfect zero waste deodorant, what would it be? And that's really, you know, what that was and like how we came up with deodorant. So being able to, you know, solve these problems that are so important to me personally, you know, I really think that it's so important to get plastic out of our daily routines to be able to come up with, you know, cruelty-free, plastic-free alternatives. Um, it's just, it's, that's what keeps me going. You know, running a company is, is an insane amount of work, uh, but that's, that's what keeps me going for sure. 
Wow. Incredible. Incredible. So I want to dive deeper into your story because you've given us so many gems already that are kind of really glimpses into your life and why you decided to build this brand and your amazing background. But, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about those hurdles that you overcame in the building process, (laughs) because we always hear the highlights and I'm sure people are listening in and they're like, oh my goodness, like it sounds like her story just came together and I could never do something like that. So what hurdles did you overcome as you went from having this incredible idea to actually creating a business that supported you and other people? Ah, it's, I mean, and that's what I try to say too. It's an enormous amount of work and that's, and it's, it's okay. Like for me, you know, at the very beginning, I was so thankful to have a job, like a day job that I really loved and I was passionate about, um, and then be able to work on bite, which was, you know, my, my dream job at night and on weekends because it took the pressure off. So it meant that I didn't, you know, when you're, when you're first starting your company, I, it's kind of like this little baby bird of a company and you're, you're trying to protect it and you're trying to feed it and you're trying to love it and nurture it and do everything you need to, you know, make it this, you know, strong, hopefully bird at someday. And it's so important at that point to not be trying to like feed yourself off of that. Right. So like I was able to, you know, pay my rent and cover my bills with my day job and then use that money also to put into the company that I was trying to build. And I think that that was such an important thing where, you know, because I didn't, you know, I didn't have these dreams of like quitting my day job and start going full-time on bite. Like that really wasn't something that I ever thought would be an option. I thought this would always be a side hustle. I thought that this would be really niche. So I was like, you know, I kind of built it into the way I was living my life. And because of that, I was able, I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel stressed. I was able to really treat it almost like art at the very beginning. Like I would put on music and I would, you know, be in my, I I turned our dining room into a lab and I would like be in the lab (laughs) playing with powders and like, it didn't feel rushed. It felt very, it was really nice. And, you know, I think that that's really important to kind of preserve that as long as you can. Um, And then, you know, kind of understanding and getting really familiar with thinking that the solution, like thinking if you have a problem, it'll be like step one, step two, step three, step four, and, you know, I'll be at my solution. But really what it looks like is like step one, and then like step A, step B, you know, like a zigzag Mm -hmm. over here. And then like, maybe finally, after a thousand different things, you'll get to step two you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, like this was so much more than I thought it was going to be, but kind of just treating everything as like a learning experience and part of the journey and and not pressuring yourself to get to the end. That end result has been something that was, it preserved my sanity in the beginning. That's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What has been your greatest win so far in this business? You know, I think just seeing how the conversation has changed around plastic pollution in general um, and refillable products. You know, when we first started, it was 2018. So, of course, there were people who were passionate about, you know, the environment and the plastic problem and trying to come up with those solutions. But it was really very fringe. And seeing over the, the past three, you know, almost four years now, it's becoming much, much more mainstream. I mean, we're seeing big brands adopt this. We're seeing brands that don't, you know, their customers may not even be the ones that you would say like, oh, they care about sustainable solutions. They care about eco-friendly things. And they're, you know, putting in sustainable initiatives. And it's it's really exciting to see how much um, industries across the board are changing. And it's directly because of customer demand, wanting sustainable solutions and wanting companies to really step up and make them happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your business <laughs> is impressive <laughs> for so many different reasons. It is so 
powerful because you have this social mission and you have this connected to like your personal story and you stand in so much power when you talk about your work and it just gives me goosebumps. And I don't know if other people are listening, but they're probably thinking that like, I want to have a compelling story like that. I want to have a compelling business and brand like that. And I'm quite sure that could be part of the, the reason why you were able to get on Shark Tank and, and actually land a deal. So for those women out there who are like so envious of you right now, <laughs> what advice do you have for them if they have an idea and they'd like to eventually get on Shark Tank and land a deal on Shark Tank like you did? Uh, I love it. That's a great question. So I would say every single person has something that they are uniquely passionate about. And if you try to solve that problem that is in your unique passion, it will give you the motivation and the courage and, you know, all of the magic dust to actually make it happen. And I think it's, you know, there is something that you uniquely know because of your life experience and things that you care about that you're better at than anybody in the world. And it will overshadow the fact, like, I've never built a business before. I've never, you know, done all of these things. But because I am my customer, I know this person because it is me. I have this uh, a superpower that I'm really trying to, you know, always stay in touch with. And I think every single person listening to this, there is something unique from your life experience and problems that you solve for yourself that you can have that exact same superpower and to build your company around that because that will give you your motivation. And then, I mean, the power of social media. It is, you know, bite. We started from a viral video. Um, we, you know, it's incredibly important to me that we're constantly getting information out about how to be more sustainable, you know, not just being a product, but also being, you know, a voice in the zero waste and vegan community. And I think that, you know, kind of when you figure out where your superpower is and then figuring out where your where your niche is, right? Like where they are and where they where they talk and go to them on social media. That's how you also can then get attention from the shows like Shark Tank and the, you know, even the news organizations. Like that's where that power is found through finding, you know, first the unique problem you can solve, then finding where other people like you live, right? Like on online and where they are and then kind of getting your message out more and more and more. Um, to then get the attention of, you know, TV shows, news networks, those types of things. Mm. What was the moment like when you first realized that you were going to pursue a space on Shark Tank? Like, did you, <laughs> were you just watching the show and you got inspired? Did you have a conversation? Did somebody reach out to you? What was that like for you? Yeah. So for us, because we had the um, video go viral on Facebook, it was actually, so Shark Tank, there's two ways to get on the show. One is through their, or there's a bunch of different ways, I'm sure, but there's different ways to get on the show. One is through their casting where you submit through their website or you go to a casting uh, call. And the other, they actually have an internal casting team who reaches out to companies who are doing things that they think would be interesting on the show. And they are totally uh, transparent with the fact that there is no um, advantage to either way you have just as much or as little chance of getting on the show, even if the producers are attached to you or if you reach out to the producers. But in our case, uh, we actually had a producer reach out to us when to start the audition process. So that's how we did it. Got it. Got it. Now tell me about this viral video. Can you like unpack that a little bit more? What was it on and, and how did it go viral? 
Yeah. So this was back in 2018. So it was still when, you know, everyone was doing videos on Facebook and, you know, all like the little, uh, you know, like not little, but the news networks were doing, you know, little viral videos that were videos that they would push out short little snippets is I guess they're not little, but snippets like, you know, two to three minute videos. And so we had one that was done. It was about female founded companies and women's health had reached out and said like, Hey, would you mind, you know, taking some video on your iPhone and sending it to us and talk about how, you know, you founded your company and what your mission is because they were featuring women-owned businesses like on a every other day basis essentially they were just pumping out these videos and so I did it and I sent it in and then a few weeks later they posted it and it ended up just going bonkers viral like they didn't expect it to go viral like that we didn't expect it to go viral like that but I had gone from doing 600 or $6,000 in sales my first year in business to over $200,000 in sales with the first like two days the video was up so it was just like it, it entirely changed the trajectory of, you know, of bite. And I think like things are changing all the time, right? What, what worked in 2018 does not work now, but I've said, I've told so many other founders that I really feel like that viral component is still alive and very well on TikTok. And so, you know, if you have a brand and if you were trying to go viral and if you have a mission um, to just kind of keep pushing out uh, videos on TikTok, I've seen, you know, there's, there's literally been, you can just do a quick research of all these different beauty brands and all these different brands, like ice cream, like there's an ice cream company that has really been built off the back of TikTok. And so I think, you know, what worked for me might not work for other people, but like if you kind of figure out what it looks like now, that I feel like TikTok would be the best shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. I think Instagram is getting a little older. I mean, people are still seeing some success, but I feel like if folks are looking at the new thing, the up and coming thing, that's probably where to go because a lot of people who were able to go viral on Instagram so easily and even Facebook, they were they did that before it became a thing, you know? It was yeah. Like not now while it is a thing, even though it's still possible, but I think it's it's totally just a little bit harder. What was it like when you actually stepped on stage (laughs) at Shark Tank, I would probably be shaking in my boots. And I'm just wondering, you know, did you, did you have a plan running in your head about what you were going to say? Did you feel like I'm just going to wing it? Did you like, were you intimidated? Tell me that story. (laughs) I was terrified. I was was like, we're literally going into like, like the Shark Tank, right? They're going to rip us apart, you know, and that, and so I, was incredibly uh, nervous. I I do not like necessarily like speaking in front of people. Like it was it's I was it was very very nerve wracking, and. I treated it like a rocket launch. So basically I had prepared for it for like over a month. I watched almost, I watched every single episode of Shark Tank in preparation for this. I had whiteboards up at my apartment where I had written down each shark, what they like, what they don't like, you know, the things that they really go off the rails for, what their investments are. You know, we had, I was, I went on there with my boyfriend and my uh, now co-founder, Asher. And so we had divvied up every single fact that we needed to know, every number we need to know, everything. So we knew if they asked a question, whose responsibility it was to know that. I mean, we went in there, like I went in there determined to be 
like 100% knowledgeable as prepared as possible. Like it's the, it's the one time that you have like a heads up of, you know, you're about to get, you know, a (laughs) bunch of questions thrown at you. So I took it very seriously. And, but I still, I mean, I was incredibly nervous. I remember there, they, you know, they're, they do your hair and makeup touch-ups before you go on and just like closing my eyes and just not even feeling like it was real life. Like I was just like, this is an out of body experience. Like I need to calm down. I just need to walk out there and I need to just get this done. And at that point we had practiced our pitch so many times. It was, it was literal muscle memory because I basically blacked out and, you know, we did it and then we got into questions and yeah, it was uh, pretty awesome. It was, I mean, it was terrifying, but in the end it was great. So. Who, who offered you a deal and for how much for the, for the folks who are listening that did not watch that episode? Yeah. So we got offers from Mark Cuban and Kevin O'Leary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which was really exciting. Like that was, you know, I, I, like for me, I, you, you want to go in hoping for the best, expecting the worst, you know? And so mm-hmm. it was to get a, uh, offer from Mark Cuban was, I mean, it was it was such a compliment. I think he's an amazing, amazing business person. I think they both are, but obviously, um, you know, an amazing compliment to have two offers. And, um, it it ultimately, we couldn't get to where we needed to be in terms of, um, the like equity split and the kind of what they Mm -hmm. wanted and everything. So we, and we had gone back and forth and it was, it was actually a very long negotiation. Uh, but in the end we, we didn't get to where we needed to be. And, you know, it was still something where I wanted the partnership I didn't want to just say yes and then regret it and start a partnership off on like a not great foot. And, you know, we, we went in there without as much room to negotiate. I think a lot of, you know, anybody who's going to be on Shark Tank or anybody who has been on Shark Tank, you know, you kind of have to come up with what you want your strategy to be. Do you want to like go on there with a really high valuation and then leave a lot of room to negotiate? Or do you want to go on with what you think is fair, but then you're really locked into only a little bit uh, here and there. And, you know, we went into with what we thought was fair. We thought it was a very sharky deal, like, you know, very fair for them, um, which unfortunately did not leave us enough room to go up, you know, like in mm-hmm. that negotiation. But I mean, overall, it was such an amazing experience and they were so complimentary. And then honestly, with the way that our company has grown for the two years after that, I'm like that. I mean, not that they care because the sharks just have like so many successful business deals, but I'm like, that would have been a really good deal for them. Like we've grown even more than what we thought. And so I'm like, well, that worked out. So um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Do you feel like the exposure helped your business to grow as well? Yeah. You know, I think the Shark Tank bump is definitely a real thing. Um, It's, I think that it's not something to like make or break your company, at least what I personally think. I'm sure there are some brands that really did make their company. It's definitely real and interesting. Yeah, it's very real. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So if you could give people three things that they need to have or know, if they are ever talking about their business to a shark on Shark Tank or an investor or whoever, Mm -hmm. what would those three things be? I mean, the first thing is know your numbers, right? So um, you want to know what your what your revenue is, what your profit is, EBITDA, and what your expenses are, all of that across the board. You should be able to kind of rattle that off. And like, here's the thing is maybe you don't know it every single day of your life, right? It's not something that you're going to be checking all the time, but you should be at least checking it uh, once a week, making sure that you're feeling good and where you are and on track. So I would say know your numbers. Then two, I would say know your customer. So who are they? Why, are, why do they 
buy from you? What do they want? Where do they live? How old are they? You know, the whole, the whole demographics, it's so important and to always have a communication with them. So you are constantly, you know, not just thinking it's a stagnant thing. You're always, you know, who is my customer now? Who is my customer, you know, in a year, who was my customer last year, always knowing your customer. And then Third would be always knowing where you uniquely fit in the market. So this is where, you know, we're in, we were in toothpaste at the time. That is like the most saturated competitive market, right? Know why you're different, know who's out there, know, you know, what makes you, you and be able to like understand how you're going to fit in and how you're going to grow in your market. So those would be the three things, numbers, your numbers, your customer, and what makes you different. Wow. Super helpful. I hope you guys took some notes on that. Lindsay, if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, (laughs) I want to say it will all work out and invest in Tesla. (laughs) I didn't, but I just feel like, or Bitcoin or whatever the heck has just exploded over the past 10 years. I'd be like, girl, buy a bunch of Bitcoin right now. uh, If I could go back 10 years ago, but uh, you know, but if not, if that wasn't a, if investment, if if investment advice wasn't allowed, then I would tell myself um, to just enjoy the process and know, actually it would be know that all the things that seem so random, like all of these random skills and journeys that you're on will, will, you know, have faith that they will come together to help you in the future. Because I think, you know, especially in my twenties and I'm how old am I? I'm 37 now. So wow, that was, I was 27. You know, oh my gosh, like I was still figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I was like on no career trajectory in any way. And I think it would just be understand that all of these random side gigs and adventures that you're going on will eventually help you with where you're going to go. So that's what I would say to anybody um, as they're on their journey. Super powerful, super powerful. <laughs> Lindsay, how, I know everybody like loves your story, but they also probably love your product. So where can they get it? How can they find and support you? Yeah, absolutely. So we are, it's trybite.com, T-R-Y-B-I-T-E.com. And we're Byte on Instagram and TikTok. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we are. <laughs> Lindsay McCormick, everybody. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I can't wait to have you back. Thanks so much. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to lifestyle and success with drs.com. 